But my name is John Ray. I'm one of the elders here at Grace Church, and we're really glad you're here this morning. And uh, actually, our buddy Rob would know about more about this than I would, but there's something going on in Northwest Arkansas which is really incredible. And it's the building of this trail system called the Oz Trails, which are mountain bike trails. So if you'll, you can uh, see an example of this. There's one out there of this new section of trail that's opened, and it's called uh, the Back 40. And part of that trail system, kids, is this thing called the ledges. And the ledges are just like it sounds in the trail system. As you're riding, you come up, and on one side, it's just trees and mountainside, and on the other side, it just drops off. And sometimes the trail is narrower than what I wrote on here. Sometimes the trail is only like this wide. And you have to keep your tires on the trail, and you have to keep going. You have to keep moving, because if you stop, you could fall over. And it's scary when you do it, but it's actually not all that technical. It's easy in a way. You keep your tires on the trail, you keep moving, and you don't overthink it. Now, our story this week comes from Elijah. Who knows what the, the name Elijah means? Does anybody know? It means Yahweh is God. The name Elijah means Yahweh is God. It's a declaration of the truth that there is but one God, the God that we know and love through serving Jesus Christ. And this God, this Yahweh, he tells us to do things. He invites us to participate in his plan. And that's what he did with this guy, with Elijah. And so Elijah was a prophet in Israel. <clears throat> and because he was a prophet, he had to tell the king, he had to remind him of the things. But there was a king, and he was a bad king. His name was Ahab. Ahab was not a good king. He had a really not-so-good wife either. And Yahweh, and, and Ahab... And his wife, they didn't want to worship God. They worshiped another God named Baal. And Baal was the rain God. He was the God who made it rain. So the way that God was teaching the people that the worship of Baal wasn't right is he shut the sky and he kept it from raining for two years. And this is what the text said. It says, Elijah the Tishbite, how'd you like to be from Tishbe? That'd be pretty cool. Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as certain as the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be no dew or rain in the years ahead unless I give the command. The Lord told him, leave here and travel eastward. Hide out in the Kareth Valley near the Jordan. Drink from the stream. I have already told the ravens to bring you food there. So he did as the Lord told him. He went and lived in the Kareth Valley near the Jordan. The ravens would bring him bread and meat each morning and evening as he would drink from the stream. After a while, the stream dried up because there was no rain in the land. The Lord told him, get up, go to Zarephath in the Sidonian territory and live there. I have already told a widow who lives there to provide for you. So he got up, he went to Zarephath, when he went through the city gate, there was a widow gathering wood, and he called out to her, please give me a cup of water so I can take a drink. And she went to get it. 
He called out to her after that, please bring me a piece of bread. She said, as certainly as the Lord your God lives, I have no food except for a handful of flour and a little olive oil in a jug. Right now I am gathering a couple of sticks for the fire, then I'm going to go home to make one final meal for my son and myself. And after we had eaten that, we will die of starvation. So this was a desperate situation for this woman, for her family, for her family and for all the land. It was a desperate situation. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go and do as you planned, but first make a small cake for me and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be empty and the jug of oil will not run out until the day the Lord makes it rain on the surface of the ground. So she went and did it as Elijah told her. There was always enough food for Elijah and for her family. The jar of flour was never empty, and the jug of oil never ran out, just as the Lord had promised to Elijah. Wow. I mean, what a story that this happens. But what does it mean for us? As we've been studying courage, as we've been studying obeying God, even when we're scared, what does this mean for us? Or we could ask the question, how do we obey God when it's scary? Now, adults, if you've been listening, if you've been playing along with us, this isn't just a question for the kids. This is a question for all of us. This is a question all of us encounter. As a matter of fact, we tend to think that we get more and more courageous, less and less scared as we get adults. And that's not really true, is it? Oftentimes as adults, the things we were scared of as kids seem easy. And then there comes things that we're really scared of. And I would submit to you that for most of us, the problem with obeying is not a lack of information. It's a lack of imagination. Is we see, we hear the call, we understand what we're called to do, and we just simply cannot imagine a way that it's going to work out. We simply cannot imagine a way that doing what we feel God has called us to do in any way is ultimately possible. Listen. If you've been in church for any amount of time as a modern American, you know more Bible than most people who have ever called themselves Christian. For hundreds of years, for centuries, followers of Jesus had no written text, nothing that we would consider the Bible. They had oral stories. They had commandments. They had people to lead them, but they didn't have their own copy of the Bible. We have more copies of the Bible in the average American home than most churches have had collectively throughout history. It is not a matter of information, simply, but more about imagination. What are these things? What are these things that keep us from obeying? When Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, when he says, love me with all your heart and all your soul, when he says, give to everyone who asks, when he says, walk humbly, Love, mercy, seek justice. We think, how? We just don't have an imagination around it. 
How do we obey God when we're scary? We cultivate that active gospel imagination. We cultivate those ways. We listen to the stories. And we step out in obedience. But what do we do when obedience is hard? What do we do when it seems impossible? Doing what God tells us isn't always even. Even when we have that Holy Spirit-inspired act of gospel imagination. At Grace, we often quote the Scottish theologian John McMurray who wrote, the maximum, the maxim of illusory religion runs. Fear not, trust in God, and he will see that none of the things you fear happen to you. That of real religion, on the contrary, is fear not. The things that you are quite afraid of quite possibly will happen. They're just nothing to be afraid of. Our abiding in Jesus is the way we overcome fear. Our being indwelt by the Holy Spirit is the way we overcome these things with that. Scary things are going to happen. It doesn't always work out the way we think. Our obedience can never be dependent on a guarantee that things will turn out the way we want them. Our obedience is dependent on the guarantee that God will never leave us, forsake us, and that God is always with us. And oftentimes that looks like this. If we can, I love this movie clip. As we were talking about this this week, we thought, what's a perfect illustration for what this looks like? I don't know if you remember this part in the movie. is often how faith feels. We don't see a way that it's going to turn out. We can't understand the way that we're going to be provided for. We don't understand what's going to happen next, and we can't control what's going to happen next. Yet we're still called to step out. Now, I don't want us to miss in this story, though, something that is exceptional and something that is often overlooked. Listen, you've come to church before. You've heard sermons about faith, right? I mean, that's the basis of what we do. But what is often overlooked is this. Our faith is not just for our own salvation. 
Our faith is also for the blessing of others around us. We are called to follow Jesus as a way of being a light, a testimony, a witness, yes, but also a means of provision for those around us. What you see in this story is as Elijah obeys, it blesses the family of the widow from Zarephath. What the kids are doing right now is they're decorating bags that we're hoping that they'll take home and collect food this week because next week is our first, uh, first fruit Sunday. It's the Sunday where we give towards Life Source, where we give towards a ministry that helps meet the needs of others around us. Y'all, we have been blessed to be a blessing. And our obedience is always in the context of blessing those around us. When we just consider Christianity or faith as an isolated individual, something that we just do for ourselves, we miss what it's about. Our obedience is to bless people around us. And when we step out in faith and when we take and do these scary things, we will see the blessing of God go throughout the community. So, look, it doesn't always end up great. It, sometimes it looks like this <laughs> when we're riding our bike. I can't guarantee you that you're not going to get scraped up. I can't guarantee you that you're not going to crash and burn. That's not Alex, by the way. Although I, I have seen Alex look like that before. Um, and he's seen me look like that before. What I can promise you is that in our obedience, in our obedience to do scary things, to follow God, that we will see the blessing of God spread throughout this world as we obey. So, kids, it's time to take your bags, find your parents, head back to your seats, and we're going to transition into a time of receiving communion, receiving the offering, and having time to pray. As I thought about this this week, this might actually be the scariest thing about this whole service. These three things that we do that, as Sean mentioned earlier, can seem perfunctory, can seem like that's just what we do when we go to church, are actually significantly scary things. The act of taking obedient, or of taking communion, the act of taking communion is coming and sitting at the table of Jesus. And it is taking into our body the elements that represent the presence of Jesus. And as we, in a very real way, as we take Jesus into us, then we are invited to abide in him. That obedience to Jesus means giving up control. That obedience to Jesus means dying to self. That obedience to Jesus means letting go of the things that keep us apart from and isolated. Y'all, that's scary. That is scary. And when we give, when we give, when, we, when that basket is passed and we give of our resources, listen, few of us in here have extra 
Even though we are in a wealthy society, we live often in such a ways where giving something away represents sacrifice. It represents trusting in God to meet our needs, not our own resources. That's scary. And finally, when we pray, when we pray to God and when we pray with other people around us, we're inviting them into our life. We're inviting God into our mess, into our needs, into our fears, into our failures, into our into lives that oftentimes we're ashamed of. And likewise, when we pray for other people, we're committing ourselves to them in that mess. That's scary, doing that. But we believe in the promise of God, we believe in the presence of God, and we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit here today. That as all of us here do these things, as we take communion, as we give offering, as we pray for one another, and we receive the prayers from people, that God is with us. Thank you for being here this morning.